You ready for some word today? <laughs> if you have a Bible or a Bible app, go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And I want to continue with the series we started a few weeks ago called A Whole New World. Praise God. A Whole New World. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, notice with me in verse 17. Paul writes here, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Is, there, is everybody a new creation? No, just those who are in Christ. Right? Say, well, I don't know if I'm in Christ. Well, then you're probably not. But we invite you in. And really, God invites you in. And we'll show you how to do that later. He's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Let me write, remind you again of the easy-to-read version. It, it says, when anyone is in Christ, it is a whole new world. The old things are gone. Suddenly, everything is new. I like that language, a whole new world. Because you think of world, you think, well, everything. My whole life has changed. It's not just a little adding a little Jesus to my life. Now I'm going to try a little bit harder to live a good, clean life. No, that is a weak description of what happened, right? It's all things new. Now all things are of God. This is one of the passages we always use uh, when someone first gets saved. We want to tell them right from the get-go, you know what just happened? You just prayed, made Jesus the Lord of your life. You know what just happened? Your old guy's dead. And every, you're a brand new creature right now. Brand new species of being. Something that never existed before has just come alive. And it's you. And we tell people that who are brand, brand spanking new baby Christians. But I found that after uh, being saved for many years, I'm more excited than ever about these verses. It's like, is that milk or meat? I think there's both in there. I mean food for the infant and food for the mature. It is the reality of what happened to us in Christ. I think the full extent of the new creation is not understood by most people, okay? Most people, I'm talking about believers. Uh, and it seems it's often the, the simplest part, the most foundational components of this revelation that is resisted by the most religious among us. In other words, for some reason, people have a hard time embracing the magnitude of this statement. It wants to say all things are new and now all things are of God. And they say, no, we're still bad people. No, I'm still a bad person. I'm still unholy and unrighteous. I just need Jesus every day. And they, they mix these statements together. Some of them are half true and some of them are not true at all because the statement is too extreme for religion to embrace. Hallelujah. But let's embrace it anyway. And the, the only way that we're going to do this is by approaching it with a spiritual mind. The natural mind cannot grasp this eternal spiritual reality. So I cannot compute. This doesn't make sense. Or I read it and, okay, yeah, it's fine, but I'm not excited about it. That means that there needs to be an understanding from a spiritual mentality, not just a physical one, not a natural one. Amen. Amen. 
okay? So uh, the spiritual mind can, can embrace this truth, and that's why it's required for the rest of the service that you use your spiritual mind. <laughs> Everybody with me today? All right. Now, I wanted to have you turn over to another place. That is the Gospel of John, chapter 3. So left turn, Gospel of John, chapter 3. Most of what is revealed to us about the new creation comes through the letters that Paul wrote to the churches. However, Jesus actually spoke about this in, you know, a not fully revealing way, I guess we could say. He spoke about it in a measure when he had this conversation with one of the experts of the law, Nicodemus. And so let's read John 3, verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these things except do these things that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, does that feel at all to anyone like a whiplash? Like Nicodemus is speaking one direction and Jesus answers him by talking about something else. Yeah. <laughs> right? Hey, so did you get a new shirt? <laughs> well, I like cheeseburgers too. <laughs> you know, it's like, are we talking about the same thing here? But Jesus was addressing what needed to be discussed. Sometimes people are so surfacey and so natural-minded, and then you get a word from God, and it totally changes your perspective and your focus, and everything uh, opens up to a new level of understanding. And so Nicodemus is blabbering on about the things that he sees, and Jesus says, you have to be born again. Of course, he'd never heard that phrase before. He never doesn't understand the concept. He's not a stupid person. He's intelligent, he's well studied, he obviously is seeking after God by even coming to him, but still Jesus makes a statement and he's, <laughs> uh, I don't want to sound like an idiot, so how can, he goes on to say, Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he a second time, uh, can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Now, he think, he hears the word birth. And he thinks what most people think, physical birth. Okay, you have to do that again. Uh, that's impossible, but since you work miracles, I'm going to ask respectfully. <laughs> since you obviously have some things and know them, some things, and I'm sneaking in a conversation here at nighttime where no one can catch me, right? Uh, tell me about this born again stuff. And how does this make any sense? But this is a prime example of a spiritual truth trying to be understood with a natural mind, okay? You think, born, flesh, and Jesus begins to explain the difference between flesh and spirit. Okay, verse, uh, verse five, Jesus answered, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So he, he's answering flesh, Spirit, water, natural birth, spirit, new birth, spiritual birth, okay? That which is born of the flesh is flesh, the baby that he's talking about, entering the mother's womb. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. 
Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it, where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. So again, we've got water equals talking about flesh, and the Spirit being the other component. Being born again is another way to say being born of the Spirit. Okay? That's why I say if you're going to understand God, if you're going to understand salvation, we have to think spiritually. We have to think with a spiritual mind. We have to recognize spiritual realities. And this is, this is one of the advantages that we have for people who have been born again. You've been given an ability to see things that the average Joe does not see in this world. Okay, And we're supposed to interpret our life, circumstances around us, not just like the world does. It's not just about what we observe and about natural questions. We're supposed to always look with spiritual eyes. I'll show you this as we go. We're supposed to look at each other with spiritual eyes. We're supposed to look at ourselves with spiritual eyes. We should look at life and what happens. I'm not talking about mystifying everything that takes place looking for signs in everything, looking for demons behind every bad thing. I'm not talking about getting weird, but I am talking about having a perspective of eternity. Okay, let me say it this way. When things in our world take place uh, that are global, national, we have to be sharper than to just accept everything we're being told. Okay, virus breaks out. Are we just going to believe it from a physical standpoint or are we asking questions about spiritual motivation? Or do we think, oh no, God never saw this one coming. There's no activity in the spirit. Satan's not involved in this. We're just going to just take the news and just... No, we're supposed to be sharper than this. We should be asking questions. I don't mean being too quick to give opinions. Sometimes slow down on the opinion. <laughs> You don't have to comment on everything right away. When riots were happening a couple of years ago, or whenever that was, you know, in, what, Minnesota? Is that where they were last time? Where, oh, in Portland, and, and yeah, I, I'm just remembering on the fly. Oh, is that just a political thing? Or are there spiritual things going on behind the scenes, motivating people? When disease breaks out, is that just natural or is that spiritual? This is at minimum what we should ask. We should be seeking the Lord saying, well, how am I to interpret this? What's happening here? How should I pray? How should I respond? What should I do with the authority I have in Jesus' name? As opposed to just consuming news, which is often tainted, agenda-driven. Instead of being just like the world, we use our spiritual eyes. Everybody with me today? Let me read to you from, from 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Paul writes here in verse 13, These things we also speak, not in words of man's wisdom, which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches. Notice there's a, there's a contrast. Man's wisdom teaches, the Holy Spirit teaches. They're not the same. Comparing spiritual things with spiritual, but the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Nor can he know them because they are 
what's the word? Spiritually discerned. Spiritually discerned. Not everybody is using spiritual discernment, but we ought to. So I don't even know how to do that. Well, keep listening, keep pursuing, keep, 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 keep uh, on this path. You'll learn how to discern things spiritually. Okay? That doesn't mean every person you meet, you look at them with a cross eye. And <laughs> what are you doing? I'm discerning you. <laughs> no, stay in the real world. <laughs> Hallelujah. But this is very real, uh, that things need to be spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. Okay, so the spiritual person, what do they do with everything? They judge it. This doesn't mean that we're judgmental of people, judging their hearts and motives and all. No, but we are uh, supposed to discern situations. You don't become a Christian and then go silent. We don't become a Christian, have new eyes, have revelation knowledge, and then keep that to ourselves because we're passive now because we're believers. No, the ones with, with eyes wide open ought to be the ones speaking. Why We have an ability to discern or judge things accurately. In a world where <laughs> judgments are way off, Right is called wrong, and wrong is called right, and good and evil are convoluted. You can't tell the difference between a whole bunch of things. There ought to be some people speaking up who can say, no, I can see the difference. I can see what's right. I can see what's wrong. I can see what we ought to do. Now, if you don't know, keep quiet, but I'm telling you, if you're a believer, you have the Spirit of God inside of you so you can make spiritual judgments which are right ones. You yourself, you'll be misjudged. People will look at you and they'll accuse you of things that aren't true. That's where you, you use your love walk. Pray for those who hurt you. We're not gonna fight back against people who attack us in that way. But understand, if you're spiritual, you'll see things clearly, but you will be accused of getting them wrong. So that's a real intimidation to not use your spiritual eyes. There's something about the spiritual mind that enables us to grasp the weight and the measure of being a new creation. It's only seen that way. A born-again person is somewhat mysterious. There's a mysterious nature to us. Uh, Jesus used the language, you're kind of like the wind. It's kind of like, where'd that come from? Where, where did the wind originate? Where did it end? Where's it, where's it going? There's something about spiritual things that is, it's difficult to fully put human words on. So you say, it's kind of like, it's like this. When Paul had his experience in 2 Corinthians 12, he recounted going to heaven, okay? And he said, I heard things there, uh, they're unspeakable. <laughs> I heard things there, I can't say it. it, it it's in a... In a measure, it's like when someone who speaks multiple languages, how many speak more than one language in here? All right, lots of people speak more than one language. Sometimes you'll say, you know, be asked to translate. What does that mean in this language? What does that mean in, in English? You'll say, well, there's not really a word because the languages are different. Well, how much more is that true with heavenly things? That sometimes the words we use are limited. They're Kind, it's kind of like this. Even in our worship, we, you've experienced this. You've been caught up in 
the presence of God and just love the Lord and want to worship Him. And you're like, I don't know how to tell you this. So you have to do it in other tongues. You have to do it in a heavenly language to adequately express the glory and magnitude of God because your brain is limited. Right? Spiritual things are somewhat this way. It's like the wind. It's, um, but when someone's born again, they see the kingdom. Unless one is born again, he cannot see. Later, he uses the word enter, but see is a, is a very real word. Uh, your eyes have to be open to see spiritual realities, okay? It, it, have you ever seen one of those pictures? I know years ago, I would see these at malls sometimes at a, you know, you go by and there'd be a store and that would sell these kind of things and they'd have them out, out front where you walk by. Pictures that were like shapes or oftentimes dots, but they were like pictures of nothing. They're like colors and maybe it looks kind of cool. But the idea was there's something hidden in the picture. And so everyone would go up to the picture and stare at it. And, and, and some would get it, get it quicker and they'd say, look, it's, it's a, you know, it's a horse. And they'd say, can't you see it? And then others of us would feel like idiots. We'd look at it and say, nope, nothing there. Uh, but there is a reality to it that somehow putting your eyes out of focus or something and look past, they'd say, look past it. And like, I'm trying. <laughs> but if you, once you get it, all of a sudden there's an image that comes out. And it really is there if you look at it correctly. I think there's something to the new birth like that. Again, probably a crude example to the spiritual reality. There's something about spiritual things that are not observed casually by someone who just walks by and says, no, I don't see anything. Remember Jesus said, seek and you will not walk by, have no interest whatsoever and you'll find. But if you really want it, if you'll seek, if you'll look to God, if you'll seek after him, you will find him. And if you stare at that thing long enough and adjust your focus and do all the things, you'll eventually see the horse, right? And if you look at the new creation and say, Lord, open my eyes and, and you read it again and you read it again and you read it again and you seek the Lord, something will come out at you. <gasps> wow, look at that. Where'd that come from? Certainly that hasn't been there all along. Well, it was. You just didn't see it. But we have that potential. If you're in Christ, you have the potential to see what the average person does not see. And what you see when you give attention to it will alter your life. It will cause you to, to rise up in victory over things that you've previously struggled with. When you see it, when you see it, I'm talking with the eyes of your spirit, then you'll be able to walk in it. Hallelujah. I tell you, when you can see your body without that condition, your body will be subject to your spirit. When you can see your life free from that bondage, when you can really see it, when you can look at God's word long enough, when you can stare at the promise long enough, until you can see yourself in that verse. Hallelujah. I almost want to preach another message right now. 
You, you feel that one coming? <laughs> Remember, Jesus found himself in the Word. He went and found himself and began to preach from the book of Isaiah. Right? And he read about the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me. And he, he read that, that passage from the Old Testament, closed the book. He said, today, this is it. This scripture is fulfilled right here, right now. That's talking about me. I'll tell you, when you find out what, 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 how, how God's word is speaking to you directly, that's when your ministry begins. That's when God starts to use you. That's when he starts to do what he always wanted to do in you. Amen. Amen. Now, there's a word in the New Testament that we, that's a great word, but could be confusing. At least in the English, it's the word complete. And the, the reason I say could be confusing is because it's used two different ways. And uh, I want to read those two verses to you. One of them is Colossians chapter 2 and verse 10. It reads, And you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. You're what in him? So not, not incomplete, not partial, but finished. We're full, fullness, completion. Where are we that? In him. We are complete where? In him. So it, we could rightly say uh, that there's nothing else that has to happen. Well, you need to get, you need to get more saved. No, nope, can't get any more saved. I'm as saved as you can get. <laughs> Sometimes people think of themselves that way. Well, yeah, I got saved. I might need to come down to that, the front again. I might, I might need to go in the water and maybe they need to hold me under a couple minutes. <laughs> No, if you're in Christ, you can't get any more in Christ. We're either in or out. And the scripture uses this language, you are complete. Complete. Take it out of the oven. Finished. Done. But then same writer, Paul writes Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6, being confident of this very thing that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it, until the day of Jesus Christ. So which one is it? Complete or he will complete? Well, both of those statements are true. It has to be understood in context. Okay? In Christ, every person is finished, complete, done, filled to the full. But that is not the same as saying that God's work is completely finished in us. Even for the saved person, God is still working in them. He's still, the plan of God is not complete. Uh, we could say this, that the body still needs discipline. The mind still needs renewed. But the spirit is absolutely finished, complete and whole in him. Nothing is missing. Nothing is broken. Nothing is lacking. There is nothing yet, yet that needs to take place. Uh, uh, but it is the acknowledgement of what God has given us spiritually and our place in Him that allows us to overcome mentally and physically. Everybody okay today? In other words, when a person got saved, God gave them the whole tamale. Remember Jesus said, it's a, He said one, one day, it's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. 
not just give you a key to the back room, but give you the keys to the whole place. It's the Father. He wants to give it all. And that's how he works. When you come to the Lord, he invests all that he is, all that he has, and makes a person completely, 100% new. From that position, now we work out God's plan. Right? Another scripture says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Not work for it, work it out. Why? Because it's in. It's in, needs to come out. It, is, say, is everything complete or not? Everything in Christ is complete, which is, which is the spiritual language. If everything were right up here or complete up here, I wouldn't be teaching. Because we would all automatically know all this and walk it out. But we take what's in and we let it work out and affect every aspect of our lives. Praise God. Say it out loud. Say, I have God's life. His nature, his ability inside of me. From the day I got saved, I got it all. Yeah. That's the starting point to overcoming sin, overcoming temptation, overcoming lack, overcoming a negative disposition and, and, and view of self, right? It starts from the completion standpoint. This is, this is interesting because, again, we tend to view things outwardly and naturally and fleshly when we're, remi- we're reminded again and again and again in the scripture to see things spiritually. We read 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if anyone be in Christ, he's a new creation. Verse 16 reads, reads this way. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Yet that's the temptation. That's where, that's where some Christians would even buck against what I'm saying. It's because they regard themselves and they regard others according to the flesh. Well, you're still, a, you're still a sinner. You're still a bad person. You still need to repent every day. You still need to do this. Now, independent of their action, you're just a bad person. You have to do things to get it right every day. Why? They're regarding after the flesh. I'm not to regard you after the flesh. If you do something wrong, I'm not going to label you and say you're a that. I'm going to say what you did was wrong, and, uh, and we can help you with that, help to overcome, but that's not who you are. You shouldn't regard me after the flesh. I shouldn't regard myself after the flesh, and you shouldn't do that to yourself either. In other words, describing, defining, based on fleshly characteristics, but rather who we are in him. That's the complete part of us. Let me have you turn to one more place. You got a few minutes? 1 Corinthians chapter 6. This, this will help us tremendously. If you already know this, good for you. Be reminded. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. Paul writes here, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Who inherits the kingdom of God? The righteous. What if, what if a Christian is taught, well, you're still unrighteous even after you're saved? In other words, unrighteous is synonymous with sin. What if your Christian is told you're still a sinner even after you get saved? That can't be true because now you can't go to heaven. You don't inherit the kingdom of God if you're still in the classified category of sin. Only if you're in the category of righteous do you get God's kingdom. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
He said, uh, do not be deceived. Then he gives a list of examples that describe what unrighteousness is. He said, do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. Notice the language, such were some of you. Do people really change? <laughs> some would have us believe, no, I, I'm always going to do what I do and be what I have been and I can't really change. Or they have a f- complete distrust in other people that they will never change. I'm not saying you should grant trust to everybody w- w- indiscriminately without them proving themselves. That's a different subject. When people just say, well, just trust me. <laughs> Uh, No, thank you. (laughs) Because if you're trustworthy, you wouldn't have to tell me that. Nevertheless, I don't want to blanket coverage everybody and say, well, you're never going to change. People don't change. They're always the same. That's the very nature and foundation of what we believe. That's the reason we came to Christ, because we needed to change. And that's the reason we were born again, because it needed to happen, and it did happen, and we are changed. Notice he says, such were some of you. You used to be that, you're not anymore. But you were washed. When when did this happen? At the new birth. You were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Okay, so so this is interesting. He says, you're washed, you're cleansed, you're sanctified, you're washed, you're washed, you're sanctified, you're justified. And he says that so that they would view themselves that way instead of, well, I'm just an addict, I'm a loser, I'm a queer, I'm a, uh, I'm a failure, I'm a this. He said, no, 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 no. You were washed. You were cleansed. You were justified. So where's that? That spiritual language. They're using natural observable physical language to describe themselves. He said, no, 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 don't do that. Don't don't describe yourself that way. You're washed, you're cleansed, you're justified. Yeah, one way for us to overcome and change our behavior is to repeatedly and continually acknowledge the unchanging aspect of our nature in Christ. It goes like this. You wake up in the morning And you think, you know, whether this is your first thought, that I struggle, this is hard for me. You wake up and you say, I'm washed. I am sanctified. I am justified in the name of the Lord Jesus by the Spirit of God. You you, you fall, you do something wrong. Not physically fall, but you you do something wrong, sin. And you respond by saying, you you can acknowledge and, 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 you know, repent of that, but you come out of it not saying, I'm a waste of flesh, I'm good for nothing, I'm a failure. No, I'm washed, sanctified, I'm justified. That is spiritualized. That is the acknowledgement of spiritual truth and reality. Doing that puts us over the top. These people were said to have been formerly this way, but very interesting, if you read the book of 1 Corinthians, you will find that Paul is giving correction 
to many of their wrong, funky behaviors, including the things listed in here, you can go through and say, wait a minute, you said such were some of you, but those guys were still doing that. Weren't they? You read through about their communion services turning into drinking parties. You read about them suing one another. You read about all kinds of funky behavior that he's writing a letter and saying, would you guys quit this? You, would you stop doing this and stop doing this? And this is what you ought to do. But yet in the middle of it, he doesn't say, but you're a bunch of waste. You're a bunch of waste of flesh. You are losers. You are failures. You are sinners. You are good for nothing. No, he says, uh, you're washed. You're cleansed. You're justified. Because of that, why don't you stop doing this and start doing this? Why don't you start acting this way instead of acting this way? Why? Because you're washed. You're sanctified. You're justified. So he did not regard them according to the flesh. He regarded them according to the spirit or who they were in Christ. That's the recipe for victory. That's the recipe for, for, for success in this life. Praise God. Why don't you say it out loud with me? Uh, if you can, if this doesn't apply to you yet, you could practice. But say, I was washed. I was sanctified. I was justified. In the name of the Lord Jesus. And by the Spirit of our God. Hallelujah. See, see, now we're looking in the right mirror. Now we're, now we're acknowledging spiritual truth. Again, the, if, if anyone's struggling with this, are you using a spiritual mind or a natural mind? Well, I still think we are all, stop. I know what you're going to say. How about say this? I just think we're all new creations in Christ. I, I just think that we're not... Uh, labeled according to our behavior, but according to the word of God. Amen. That's not an excuse for bad behavior. Everybody understand? It's the way to overcome bad behavior. Amen. Yes, your mind needs renewed and your body needs discipline, and it starts from the positional acknowledgement that everything's new, and I'm complete in him. I'm as close to God now as I ever will be. I can't be loved any more than I am presently. I can't be closer to the Father any more than I am right now. I mean, if Colossians 2 says, we're, or Ephesians 2 says we're seated with Christ in heavenly places, so we got the Father and Jesus and us. How are you going to get any closer? This is our position. This is spiritual reality. This is what must be embraced by each and every one of us in order to grasp in order to see the horse, in order to grasp uh, the reality of what it means to be a new creation and have a whole new world. Amen? Amen. One more time. I'm washed. I'm, washed. I'm, sanctified. I'm sanctified. I'm justified. I'm justified. In, the In the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God.